Ephesians 4 once again. Ephesians 4, as we were last week. Beloved, this is going to be the last message in our series of commitment to the church. At first I thought it would go seven, even eight weeks, but the things I wanted to address have been covered in the passages that we have considered. And so I thank you for your patience. This matter of staying at your church has been an issue for me as well as the rest of the elders for some time, not just since COVID. In fact, it's been an issue for many pastors all over the country having to deal with this, uh, uh, it seems like, on a regular basis. And so we believed it was important to speak into this important element of ecclesiology, the doctrine of the church. And I trust it has given you new perspective and challenged your hearts by God's grace. It certainly has mine and solidified a number of things in my own heart. Well, today is an extension, sort of part two of the message last week on preserving the unity of the Spirit. And the text that I want us to consider is an outworking of that unity. And so I want you to follow as we continue on in the text with verses 7 to 16. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high... He led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. And may God add his blessing to the reading of that portion of scripture. Now, this morning, I'm not going to cover everything in these verses. Let me just say that again, okay? I am not going to cover everything in these verses. That would take probably the next couple of weeks because <laughs> there is a lot here. But I do want to focus on that little phrase there at the end of verse 12 where it says, to the building up of the body of Christ. The previous verses lead into it. And the following verses flow out of it until we see it again at the end of verse 16 where it says, For the building up of itself in love. The Greek word there is oikodomeo. 
which literally is the building or the construction of a house. However, in this text, it is used figuratively for spiritual edification of the church. The strengthening effect of God's word and his people upon one another. Kind of like what we heard in our scripture reading this morning. Remember? From 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 8 to 11 where we see this. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. But each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So a good reason for staying in your church is because you are a part of of building up the body of Christ. That's a good reason. A very good reason. As I mentioned before, probably a few weeks ago, most of the excuses for leaving the church comes down to some weakness it has. And you know, I can't deny that there are weaknesses. From sanctification issues to program issues, all right? Yeah, there are. But here are some things to consider. You know, a lot of times when folks tell me they're leaving the church, sometimes they will say, well, it's just not loving. Or they point to some character flaw. It's just not gracious. And so I will say to them, you need to grow spiritually, right? I mean, you're pointing the finger. And usually it's one or two people. It's not the whole church. But they're pointing the finger. I mean, could it be that you have some character flaw? You just haven't heard it from anybody. Yeah. Your leaving is not merciful. Your leaving is not loving. Your leaving is not gracious. So yes, you do need to grow just like the rest of the church. Here's another thing to consider. You know that the church that you are looking to attend and be a member of has weaknesses also, right? You just don't see it yet because the grass is always greener on the other side. So when it becomes apparent, will you leave that church? Because you will. In fact, you may come to the conclusion that the church you left was stronger in areas than the church that you're in right now. It has weaknesses. And if you leave them, then you become a church hopper. And I don't think any of you want to be that way. Here's another thing to consider. Are you serving in the body? Are you serving in the body? If not, have you thought that the weaknesses may be due to your lack of participation? Instead, stay, serve, and help strengthen the body in those areas of concern. And and then I would say this on the other side. If you are serving, praise the Lord. Thank you. God bless you. Amen and amen. 
But you realize that by leaving, you are hurting the building and the building up of God's house. You are. Which brings me to our message for today. I want you to consider with me three incentives. Three incentives from the text for the building up of the body of Christ. And I trust that God will inspire you to be faithful to him. And indeed, these incentives that I have considered this week have been, wow, very motivating to my own heart. So I trust that they will be for you today. And the first incentive is there in verses 7 to 10. Look what it says. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives And he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean? Except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. Do you see it? Do you see the incentive there in verse 7? You should build up the body of Christ because of God's what? Grace to you. (laughs) You should build up the body of Christ because of God's grace to you. That's what it says there in verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. In the middle of this text on unity, Paul was reminding and encouraging these believers of what they possessed for effective ministry in the church. And what is that? Grace. Charis is the Greek word there. That unmerited, undeserved favor bestowed by God upon them. And what was for them is true of us. The church today, right? What was true of them is true of us, isn't it? Absolutely. The very grace that drew us to the Savior and led us to redemption... And forgiveness in Him is also what sustains us in our sanctification and service for Him. That's what we saw earlier in this epistle. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. And so this grace not only saved us, but also enables us for ministry. And that is the key aspect of God's grace in these verses. The ability to serve God and others through the spiritual gifts He's given to you. In fact, Paul referred to this earlier in chapter 3. Look at verse 2 and what he says about himself. If indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace which was given to me for you. Look at verses 7 and 8. Of which I was made a ministry, speaking about the gospel, according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. We see the same thing. In Romans chapter 3, verses 3 to 6 there, he mentions God's grace and then goes on to speak about the gifts which have been given to the church. It's by God's grace. 1 Peter 4 and verse 10, Peter says this, As each one has received a special gift, 
employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And according to verses 8 and 10 here in our passage, without getting into all the details of it, these gifts did not come until the church started after the resurrection and ascension of Christ when He sent the Spirit of God to permanently indwell His saints. That's what is being emphasized there in verses 8 to 10. And so, beloved, what a blessing we have in this grace. Amen? We can't preach enough about it. (laughs) We're saved by grace. We've been gifted by God's grace. Oh, my! What an incentive to build up the body of Christ. But how often do you think about this, especially those who are looking to lead the church without a sound biblical reason. How often? They're not thinking about that. Let me illustrate this for you through a family that left my church back in Mile City. One day after the service, maybe it was between services, there was a lady that came up to talk to the pastor and I. And this is a family... Her and her family had been there probably for about, oh, maybe a year and a half. And in various ways, they were serving. But she came up and started talking to the pastor and I and saying, have you ever thought about doing this ministry? (laughs) And we were a small church. And we said, no, we haven't really thought about it. We haven't heard anybody even bring it up until now, until you brought it up. And she says, well, I'd like to see this started. I said, okay. Um, She says, I know of another church here in town that is doing this ministry, and it really is a blessing to families, people who have children. And I said, okay. And she said, but if we don't do this, uh, my husband and I and our family are going to leave the church. And I go, really? Well, Would you consider this before making that step? You understand, do you not, that God has graced you and your husband. You're members of our church. You're members of God's family. And he's graced you. He's gifted you to serve in the church body. And I cited, I think, Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 6 to her. So... Why don't you and your husband consider starting this ministry? Put together a plan. Bring it before the pastor and myself and the other deacons. And we'll talk about it. And Lord willing, we can begin this by providing the resources that are necessary in order to do this. I think it's a good idea. But again, God has graced you. It's upon your heart. It seems to be your concern. So why not you and your husband... Start this ministry. She wouldn't have none of that. Shortly thereafter, she left the church. Her and her husband both. You see, when you're serving Christ's church out of appreciation and thankfulness for God's grace, you're usually, I'm not saying all the time, but you're usually not thinking about leaving. (laughs) But loving what you're doing for God's glory and seeking how to do it better. You are. You're a part of this community. You're serving them. That's where your heart's at. But if you're not serving, yeah, you can think of all sorts of things, all sorts of reasons 
for leaving. This goes back to what I said a couple of weeks ago in 1 Corinthians 12. Holding your space here, let's go there. 1 Corinthians 12. First there in verse 18. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18. But now God has placed the members. Did you catch that? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as He desired. You see, God, by His grace, saved us. And He placed us into the worldwide church of God. Amen and amen. But then He's graced each one of you with gifts and placed you into various local assemblies to build up the body of Christ with those gifts. And that's why he goes on to say there in verses 24 and 25, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it, but God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And so, beloved, let the grace of God inspire you today. We could stop right there. (laughs) It's grace that we did not deserve, and yet we have it. Why not be using the gifts that God has given you to His glory in the building up of the church? Oh, my. And when our hearts are upon that, you're not thinking about leaving. You're thinking about building. Well, this leads right into the next incentive. There in verses 11 and 12. Look what he goes on to say. It it just continues to flow. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. What seems clear in those two verses? You should build up the body of Christ because of being equipped. Being equipped. With that conjunction and that begins verse 11. Paul returned to what he started there in verse 7 after the parenthesis of verses 8 to 10. That God has graced his church with spiritual gifts for effective ministry in the body. But he didn't go on to give a general listing of those gifts. As you see elsewhere in Scripture, particularly Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. No, he simply focused on what? The gifts of leadership. That's what he stated there. I mean, note them. And he gave some as apostles, prophets, and some as evangelists. And some as pastors and teachers. And by the way, I do believe that pastors, teachers is one phrase here. I say that because that is the main responsibility of the pastor is to teach. And of course, that is supported in 1 Timothy 5 and verse 17. And I do realize that in other passages of Scripture, yes, the gift of teaching has been given to the church. So yes, men and women do teach God's Word. But here in this particular text, I do believe... Pastor, teacher is one office. 
Now, there are no longer any apostles and prophets, right? Right. There's no more apostles and prophets in the church as they were a part of the foundation of the church in bringing the revelation of God's word. In fact, look at what it says there in Ephesians 2, 19 and 20. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are God's whole household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. And so they were a part of the foundation in bringing God's revelation, bringing God's word to us. All right. But the evangelists there in verse 11, which I think also includes missionaries and pastors, teachers are still being called and are given to proclaim the gospel and to shepherd the flock of God from the revelation that the apostles and prophets gave. And so praise God for his wisdom and grace in doing such. This is a part of his plan. (laughs) In fact, it says in Hebrews 13 and verse 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Oh, yeah. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. And so that brings me to this very simple question. And really is the point I'm trying to drive here in verses 11 and 12. Why are these ministers of the word presented to the church? Why are they presented to the church? Verse 12 tells us. For what? Yeah. For the equipping of the saints unto the work of service. For the equipping of the saints unto the work of service. That's it. Right there. Equipping refers to preparing fully or making complete. The complete outfitting, yes, of the saints. And what that looks like is not specified here in this passage. It's not. But two important elements I do want to draw your attention to. And one of them is implied here in this passage. And the first is this, the teaching and preaching of God's word. How do you equip the saints? Through the preaching and teaching of God's word. That's why he presents the leadership as he did there in verses 11. This is about discipling the hearts of believers in all aspects of the faith to protect them. 2 Timothy 3.16, chapter 4 and verse 5. We, we went through that text a few weeks ago. One of the reasons you should stay at your church is because what? The preaching of God's word. (laughs) Yeah. So the teaching and preaching of God's word is one way they equip the body. The other way is through training. Yes, training. Preparing God's people through their giftedness to what? Teach. To disciple. To evangelize. And do other ministries as necessary in the administration of the church. So so there's preaching and teaching of God's word. And then there's training. Now, the leaders do share in serving, by the way. (laughs) You bet. 
But God's basic design is for the saints to do the work as equipped by them. That's what the text says there. And so, beloved, with this plan in place, what happens when God's people leave the church over personal reasons? That's the application. Who does the work? It's a rhetorical question. (laughs) How does the church get built up? You see, this is a whole family project designed by the sovereignty of God. You've heard me say this before from Matthew 16 and verse 18. Jesus said to Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. And how does he build it? (laughs) Through people. Yeah. Whom he has gifted. And so do you want to be a part in messing with that? I surely don't. You know, I've been here for, well, it's close to 20 years now. And it's been a joy. It has been a blessing to work in the lives of God's people. Helping them with sanctification issues. Training them. Equipping them to do ministry. There's been a lot of it. And yet there have been times, many times, where I've invested in people's lives, helping them with their walk with the Lord and equipping them to do ministry only to have them two or three months leave. And I I kind of am baffled by that. It's like my head does a 360. And then I have to remember, God, this is what you've called me to do. You see, I have to preach to myself. Do I get offended? I do. I do. And my pride gets the best of me. But I have to remind myself of what it says in 2 Timothy 4.2. Preach the word. Be instant how? In season and out of season. Kirk, I've called you to preach the word. To equip the saints. No matter how they might respond to you. You'd remain faithful. So yes, I have to preach the word to myself and to remind myself of these truths. Otherwise, I can get offended and my pride gets the best of me. And then I'm not setting an example for the flock of God. Pray for me in that way. And so I pray that you find great incentive for staying and building up the body of Christ because of the time that's been invested in you by the leadership and others around you. You should build up the body of Christ because you've been graced by Him and because of being equipped. These are great incentives, are they not? They're right here in the text. They've been given to us to remind us of what church is all about. It's not about us. It's about God and His plan. And he's placed you into various bodies all over the world to bring glory to him for what he's done in your heart and life. Well, finally, that brings us to one other incentive here. Look with me at verses 13 to 16. The text just continues to flow here. 
until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by ways and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. What's captured here? What's another incentive? You should build up the body of Christ because it causes growth. It causes growth. The matter of growth is mentioned there in verse 15 and then again in verse 16. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him. That is Christ who is the head, even Christ from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body. And the growth that's being emphasized here in these verses is spiritual. It's within the body. It's not numerical. Think about that. It's first and foremost about our growth in the Lord, in Christ. And it's actually described there in verse 13 as being the goal of leadership equipping the saints with God's word. See, it just flows out of what we saw there in verses 11 and 12. Until, here's the goal, we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Wow, what an explanation of this growth that's being described there. In fact, the Apostle Paul prayed about this in the previous chapter, beginning with verse 16. Notice what it says. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Wow. What a description here. The end goal of ministering God's word is being like Christ in eternity. But presently, it is a process, right? <laughs> it's a process which takes place through the church body, as you can see in the following verses, verses 14 to 16. In fact, notice what it says there in verse 14. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness in deceitful scheming. The apostle here was pointing out that the ministry of the word results in what? Spiritual discernment. Yes. And then notice what he goes on to say there in verse 15. But speaking the truth or truthing 
in love. We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. You see, the ministry of the word results in each member speaking the truth, truthing in love among each other. You see, when the word is being preached, (laughs) it enters your heart. And guess what your conversations become about? When we're here, when you're away from here, it's truthing (laughs) with one another, reminding one another of what the word says, which causes what? Growth. But he's not finished. He comes to verse 16. And sort of coming back to what he already said earlier. From whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth for the building up of itself in love. You see, the preaching of God's word also results in God's people serving one another. All this causes growth that leads to Christ-likeness. The building up of the body in Him. What a beautiful picture which brings glory to God. You see, this is how God planned church. (laughs) Some of our views of church are not biblical. But we've got a beautiful ecclesiology that is developed here in this portion of Scripture. And this is how we should think about church, because it's God's plan. It's not our plan. As is captured in 1 Thessalonians, just want to go there for a moment, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This captures exactly what we read in those verses in, in Ephesians 4, 13 to 16. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. And then he goes on to say this to the rest of the body. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. You're truthing in love. (laughs) That's what you're doing. And so, beloved, if the church is focused on this, why leave? Why leave? Yes, as I said at the beginning, we have weaknesses. There's no doubt about that. I acknowledge that. I don't even argue with that. We have our weaknesses. But instead, be a part of strengthening it as seen in this passage. You see, you, you have no instruction here from Paul that when things are going awry and there's weaknesses, you leave. You don't have that instruction. What does he do? Stay and strengthen it. Build it up. That's what's said here. You don't see any of that instruction, nowhere in Scripture at all. But you do see what God's plan is for the church and how it's supposed to operate right here. In fact, I like how Tom Rainer, in that book, I Am a Church Member, practically express this. I like this. We were not part of the church to see what we could get out of it. We were part of the church to serve and to care for others. And if someone did something that disappointed or frustrated us, that was God's way of telling us to pray for that person. Yeah. (laughs) 
But what is the tendency? Tearing down, talking against that individual, gossiping. Oh, how I pray that God is developing your attitude, my attitude, toward the church in this way. But you know, this was not the case for some friends of Marlene and I. Again, in our church back in Mouse City. I'd just gotten out of Bible college, about two years out of Bible college. My wife and I just got married. And uh, we had some close friends who had gotten married the year before. But the gentleman and myself went to Bible college together at Pillsbury. And we were all four in the same church serving our hearts out. And uh, I can remember our friends wanting to start a ministry. It was, it was a children's church ministry. We didn't have anything like that. So they came to the pastor and asked about that. And he said, you know, I, I think that would be good. Um, so they put together a, a plan of what that was going to look like. And they brought it before the rest of the leadership there. And, and they gave their approval to that. And they started serving. And they were, it, it was a blessing to see that week in and week out. Uh, these children after Sunday school were going down to a church where they were presenting the word to them. But then, slowly but surely, they weren't faithful at it. They were missing weeks. They weren't consistent. One week they'd be there, another week they'd be gone. And here we were sending the kids to the place where they would have children's church, and no one was there. And... Sometimes they were just late. They'd missed Sunday school and were late getting to church. And so the pastor went to them and said, hey, what's going on? And they said, well, just some weeks we, 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 we want to get out of town. And yeah, frankly, we don't always get up on time. He says, well, I'll tell you what. He says, why don't we just go to every other week? Oh, thank you, pastor. That would be so helpful. I appreciate that. But he says, look it, if you can't make it, For some reason or another, if you know in advance, get someone to fill your spot. Okay. Well, they start out, things seemed to be fine for about a month or two. And then they went back to the old ways. They were even, it was not only going every other week, but they were missing the weeks that they were supposed to be there. And sometimes they were coming late. It was still the same thing. And I can remember even talking with my wife, saying, oh man, I just... I hope this turns around. Well, it didn't. And uh, so the pastor went to them and said, you know, we're just going to have to stop this. Oh, boy. The fur hit the fan. And so I can remember our friends uh, inviting us over for lunch. Not for roast beef, but for roast pastor. <laughs> and uh, they just went on and on and on. And I was looking at my wife because we had talked about this. And after they were all through saying what they were going to say, I looked at them and said, I don't know how to tell you this. We're your friends and all. But I would have done the same thing. And this is the reason why. For the very reason that he did. Now, that doesn't mean you can't do ministry here. This just doesn't work out for you. Okay, I get that. Find another place that you can serve in the body of Christ. 
They had none of that. They left. And this is the unfortunate thing, is that today they're divorced. The issues that were in their heart back then came to life in their marriage. And just two or three years ago, we got a letter from her saying that they've been divorced. Now, does that happen all the time when people leave the church? No. But it happened because there was heart issues there that were never dealt with. But a good reason for staying in the church, beloved, is the building up of the body. And what incentives we have here from God's word for doing such, isn't it? I mean, it's wonderful. They're just laid out there for us in the text. God's grace to us. It begins with that. Without that, we can't do the rest. Being equipped. And our growth. You know, beloved, many of you have been here longer than I have. (laughs) Some for about the same amount of time. And others about half the time. Let me just say this. Thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness over the years through thick and thin. You know what I'm talking about. What an encouragement that has been to me and I'm sure to the rest of the body as well. Thank you. But I trust that all of you will remain faithful in the years ahead as we do what? Follow God's word to the best of our ability. And so... May his blessings be upon you in that way. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. And what a joy it is to just open up your word and to hear what it has to say. God, these are your words. We're just delivering it here this morning. And I pray that you will use the truths that are found in this passage to just minister to our hearts. In fact, all that we have heard over the last six weeks on this matter I trust that it has penetrated us and that, God, you will do the work as only you can. And so I trust you with that for God's glory in Jesus' name.